Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. And today we'll be discussing a potpourri of topics, including Epic's continued dominance in the EHR large space, large EHR space, next gen being acquired, and a preview of the upcoming health and AHEMA conferences. And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Well, it hasn't been a slow summer. And it's been a big kickoff to fall with all these announcements with conferences coming. <laughs> it's crazy. It has been a newsmaking end of summer here, uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I mean, are we living in an epic world? And, you know, <laughs> now <laughs> I mean, it certainly seems that way. I mean, you know, especially for myself, just coming off of being at the epic user conference and then, of course, seeing these two announcements, John. But What's your take on this? But, you know, and what we're referring to, of course, is UPMC Intermountain moving to Epic. Those big announcements came out recently. Yeah, I think we need the parody. It's an epic world, (laughs) the Barbie world. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, so those were kind of the last two holdouts, right? When you look at, was it, uh, I think US News World Report puts top hospitals. They were all Epic. And even UPMC and Intermountain are epic, but just, you know, through some acquisitions that they did, um, you know, so they had some epic already. Uh, And so, you know, obviously Intermountain was on Cerner and that was the big, you know, announcement that they were going to collaborate and do it. And, uh, you know, the fact that they've decided, of course, they acquired SCL Health and they acquired some other things that give them some different resources. You know, they, they've acquired into Nevada, which is big for me, which I appreciate because we need Intermountain in Nevada. So I, I appreciate that. But anyway, I think it was interesting. And the Intermountain announcement was quite fascinating because they said, hey, we're up for renewal on some of our, a few of the uh, various regions that they're in. And so now is the time to really go after it and do it. Uh, you know, a pretty aggressive timeline, if I remember right. I think they said 2025 by the end of 2025 or something. So we'll see how long, because that's a huge system to convert. But yeah, I mean, uh, I wondered, was it just a question of time? And I think it would be an indication of what does this mean for Cerner? Uh, you know, and and I think the answer is Epic has won the large hospital health system environment. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's to me, no doubt about it now, right? Like, I don't, I don't think it, there was any doubt about it before, but now definitely there's no doubt about it. When you look at that top 10 list or the top 20 list, the majority are now epic with the largest two being UPMC and Intermountain. Is a little, I won't say holdouts, I, you know, because that, that seems like they were just waiting on the wings. But, you know, they had mm. implementations of Cerner and they seemed very happy with them. And, you know, now, but now with these announcements that they're moving to epic, I mean, that's just, wow. Like they, they own a lot of that top. And then, you know, add to that, which obviously didn't make headlines, but, you know, Epic has made a lot of inroads here in Canada, right? Like mm. they, they are all over the Alberta Health Services. They are being implemented in some of the largest hospitals here in Ontario, especially here in Toronto. Uh, and so they're disrupting the Canadian market. And, and it will only be a matter of time before all of Canada is on Epic. Oh, you uh, think so? 
Oh yeah, I don't I don't think there's <laughs> that's a, a good just, prediction right there. I like that. <laughs> and, and it's just it's just because it just makes interoperability amongst Canadian hospitals so much easier when they're all in the same system, right? Uh, which is something that Canada has been struggling with or challenged with uh, in the past. So yes, uh, you heard it here first. Um, but but I think what 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 I'm hearing you say, John, is that you know in the large EHR market, it is now just Epic's game to lose, right? They are the front runner. Everyone's moving towards them. Uh, and now it's just more of a question of, well, how, you know, where is Cerner and other, and the remnants of all scripts, where are they going to play? Like, how do they fit into this world as opposed to how do they claw back some of the, the, the losses or how do they get someone else to switch from Epic? Cause I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and it was really interesting. Uh, Jeremy Bickman, uh, he commented about this and and he suggested that, you know, in, in many ways it was Epic versus Cerner, but they're not even really competing in EHRs anymore. Because <laughs> the, the, uh, and that was in an article of like Epic Cerner in AI, right? And mm -hmm. he, he's like, they're not really like Epic is kind of, you know, and I asked him, I was like, how do you define that? And he kind of says, well, Epic's going after users and Cerner's going after infrastructure. And I thought that was an interesting way to frame the market. And you might even throw Meditech in there who's competing, but not really competing with Epic, although I think they're trying to go upstream a little bit, but they certainly own more of the rural health and the smaller hospital space, which is more of a culture fit for them anyways, right? And so, you know, that was interesting to see, you know, it's like, okay, so Epic's the large hospital systems, Meditech's the small, they can battle it out a little in the middle for sure. And then Cerner is more of the infrastructure play. And I thought that was an interesting way to frame maybe how this is going to play. And with Oracle's acquisition, you could see why they, you know, Oracle's always been an infrastructure type of company. So is that why they're pushing them that direction? So, you know, I thought that was a nice way to frame it, even though it really is saying, hey, Epic owns the large hospital health system. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think what's encouraging, at least for all those other companies and and for us as a whole, the industry is, you know, we're not saying that, at least I'm not hearing you say that, you know, hey, Cerner is just going to wither or Meditech's going to wither. That there's a place for them to yeah. play. They have their niches, they have their strengths, and and let's be honest, as big as Epic is, they don't still don't do everything, and they still do some things where you know others can probably maybe do it better. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think there's room for for companies like Altera, right? And and their change with the acquisition of Alpal Scripts and and how they're playing. I think similar to to um, what you're saying about Cerner, I think they're kind of changing and shifting, moving away from okay, like we're going to try to be the all encompassing EHR at that level to something else, like playing in certain spaces and and being more effective in certain niches within uh, within a hospital setting. So. Yeah, I, I, and again, I go back to something that I think a lot of analysts have said for a long time. What we're seeing in the EHR space is mirrored, mirroring almost identically what happened in the ERP space, where it's mm. just SAP, right? Like, and maybe <laughs> Salesforce, you can you can argue is sort of in the yeah. mid tier, right? But you have like SAP at the top for the large large companies. You have sort of Salesforce in the middle, uh, and then you have a few others in the smaller area, and that's it, right? But you know the competitors that to SAP at the time when that uh, land grab was going on, they're still around. They just morphed their businesses to now be complementary to SAP as opposed to directly competing with SAP. So I see the same thing happening here in the EHR world. That's a good example. It's also a feature of markets. There's usually one big winner that owns you know seventy five percent. There's a second one that owns twenty five percent, and then there's a bunch of other that are, are you know nipping at the hills. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting to watch on this is, okay, what does that mean for ambulatory EHR vendors? 
And the answer to that to me is, are independent providers going to survive? Because mm. if they don't survive, then guess what? They're all going to be on Epic, right? <laughs> or, or Meditech, right? If, if it's a smaller, you know, if it's them, you know, so it's like, Otherwise, you know, if, if, if all these large hospital health systems just acquire all these practices, then, you know, these ones are going to grow bigger and bigger. And they've, we've seen that happen already. Uh, if the independent provider survives, which I think it will in some places, some specialties, et cetera. So, you know, that the, uh, that's that, but that's, what's going to be the, determine the future of these ambulatory EHR vendors. And in some cases they're being really successful. You know, you and I have both worked with ECW and, and we see how they, how well they've done with FQHCs and, and right. FQHCs aren't being acquired by hospitals and health systems. Uh, you know, so, you know, like they're obviously been really successful there. They're, they'll continue to be successful. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting element on the ambulatory side as well. Yeah, you bring up a great point. And kind of leading into our second topic here, John, like talking about ambulatory and other places like NextGen, um, the big announcement was they were acquired by Thoma Bravo. What's your thoughts on on that big announcement? Yeah, well, I mean, what what a big uh, acquirer! <laughs> you know, and they obviously see potential beyond what NextGen was was uh, doing, right? I mean, that's literally why they come in. Uh, and obviously, Tomo Brova loves the reoccurring revenue that EHR's you know model provides. What's interesting, you know, in some of the discussions I've seen around the next gen acquisition, I think on the EHR side, it's going to be business as usual. They'll get, continue doing stuff and, you know, they'll probably get nipped a little here and there, but they'll come out with some big AI announcements and a few things, but they probably won't solve some of the other things that annoy a, <laughs> an individual user, right? They'll go for the big announcements, not the small, you know, stuff necessarily. But I think it's also like the other pieces. The big one for me is is mirth. Uh, mm. And, and uh, you know, our friend Jeremy Coleman said uh, free Mirth Connect or something like that. He's <laughs> hashtag free Mirth Connect, like free him up from from next gen, which in some ways that kind of made sense, but it doesn't. Right. If you're an interoperability play and you're owned by an EHR vendor, do all the other EHRs want to work with you? Not really. Right. Like it causes some conflict of interest there. So I, you know, if I'm Tom of Bravo, I'd roll that off, right. Sell it off and, and, you know, do something. And I also ask the question, do they understand what they have with Mirth? Like Mirth mm -hmm. powers a lot of the interoperability that happens, including a lot of the health information exchanges and things like that. And they're going to look at it as, well, we have an EHR. And I don't know if they're going to understand the value that is available and the potential of mirth. And so I could see them rolling that off. That would make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, what I'm hoping for is that they, they kind of, uh, thread the needle between, uh, you know, what happened with Cerner, <laughs> right. And, and, and mm. kind of like in the sense of, I hope that they, uh, do a real good assessment on what they have. Uh, in this acquisition, and then reposition the company either or sell it off um, if parts of it to to organizations where it those parts can thrive. Because I think there are some very interesting parts of NextGen, as you just mentioned. I think Mirth uh, is has been one. I think that the NextGen Connect interrupts. I mean, there's a lot of interesting pieces here. I think the mistake would be trying to own all of it, uh, and 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 just you know kind of continue as business as usual, which I don't think they'll do. But I just found it interesting to say, you know, disruption is coming to that side of the market now too, right? Um, yeah. But they got the money to spend if they want to go after something. You know, it's also interesting because they've acquired a lot in healthcare. They acquired Improvada, you know, a number mm -hmm. of other organizations. But I don't really see them synergistically 
uh, you know, involved. So that was, you know, an interesting thing for me because Improvada doesn't really work in the ambulatory space from my experience. They're more the hospital health system and they get ambulatory through the health systems, but not, you know, not the way next gen is. Right. So, you know, I didn't see synergies there, which, you know, obviously they don't need them necessarily. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, a lot of times with private equity, you do see those synergies. Uh, I don't see that in this case. Yeah, no, that is interesting. You're right. Like looking at their track record of who they've acquired, uh, they don't seem to fit together, but maybe there's a master plan that we just can't see right now. Like, you know, are there, uh, what other deals are they working on that will kind of stitch the whole thing together? In which case it could get very interesting, right? If they're if they're bringing mm -hmm. sort of uh, a lot of these disparate components together under one umbrella. But uh, I just think that this sends, I won't say shockwaves, but I think this puts other folks on notice in terms of, well, what other what other organizations are potentially on the block or potentially hmm. could be acquired, maybe not by Thoma, but, but by others, right? And uh, will other people decide to merge two companies together in order to be stronger? Uh, I, I think that's coming because in the ambulatory space, there, there hasn't been a ton of, of movement. There hasn't been a lot of M&A in general, right? But I wonder if now this is a, you know, is this, the, are we, are we at the, at the crest of a new wave of this? Well, and that was what I was thinking about it. I think it's actually a good acquisition in the sense of, if you're a next-gen user right now, you're probably going to be a next-gen user five years from now, right. 10 years from now, right? Like, and unless something dramatically shifts, right? Like, you know, like it's good enough. You've heard enough complaints about the competition that you don't think that moving there is going to make it that much better. You know, of course, if you get acquired, then maybe you move to an Epic or something. But other than that, like you, you probably have done your due diligence and you, you're happy with the devil that you have rather than trying to find something, you know, greener on the other side. So in that, res re you know, respect, it's a good acquisition because that means they have long-term buy-in with recurring revenue. And, and that's a good thing. And that's probably why there hasn't been more ambulatory, com you know, combining of companies is because, you know, e even like look at modernizing medicine and GMED. They acquired right. GMED, but they didn't say move off and move on to modernizing medicine. They said stay with GMED and they're developing two software bases, right? So, and, you know, Allscripts is probably, you know, and I, I would, you know, we should find some Allscripts people that were there when they had like seven EHRs and, and, and they went through the process of why, you know, how did that go? But I think that when you look at it, it's like people don't necessarily move from one EHR to the next. And if you acquire them, they don't necessarily go to the one that was acquired, they might go to your competitor. So, you know, that's not the rolling up EHRs isn't a great strategy. It's not like email where you can just export, import, you're done. Now you're using email and it's essentially the same thing, right? It's much more complex. And so that's why the roll up probably hasn't happened. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about some blockbuster headlines in the EHR space and two upcoming fall conferences, Health and AHIMA. Today's episode is brought to you by, well, us. <laughs> if you're exhibiting or even just attending a conference this fall and you want to bring attention to your customer successes, perhaps a new product announcement, or even just an internal thought leader, we have a solution for you. Check out Health Care IT Today's conference packages that includes interviews, short video reels, and session capture. You can find more information at healthcareittoday.com slash fall conferences, all one word. 
Colin needs more work is what he's saying. He, he wants to do I, more videos. At I need to, I need to do more videos. That's, that's really what it is. Yeah. That's how we well, feed him. <laughs> well, and on that note, John, like uh, you're going to health, I'm going to Ahima. They happen to coincide exactly this year. So we're going to divide and conquer. Uh, I happen to be uh, have the fortune of being the MC at the Ahima yeah. conference in Baltimore. So I'm excited, awesome. excited about that. Um, but, and I'll talk about Ahima, but um, talk to me about, about health. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Give us a preview. I mean, it's interesting when you think about health, we know that AI is going to dominate, right? And the question I have going into health is what are going to be the novel solutions, right? And, and which ones are actually implemented versus here's what we think we could do, right? Like, and, and I think there will be some, right? There will be some that are like, hey, we've implemented this in five hospitals and it's doing awesome. And, you know, like that's what I, I'm interested in hearing is like, okay, it's not just a concept, an idea of like, oh, we could apply a generative AI to summarize this EHR node or whatever, right? Like, but hey, we've actually implemented it. And here's some of the results that we've seen and some of the experience that we've had. And so I think we're going to see a lot of that, that, you know, at health where, you know, it's kind of the joke. I think we've talked about this at Hims that every uh, company at health is now going to be an AI company that can solve burnout, right? Like it's going to be a bit of that, but I think we're going to see a lot of progress because the way AI has evolved and, and progressed has gone so quickly that it's going to be on everyone's roadmap. And the question is going to be, how are you implementing AI? So, I mean, that's the obvious one. Uh, I can't, can't disagree with you. And I'm going to be jealous of, of you being in Vegas at, at health and, and all the videos that you're doing there. But I, I agree. I mean, I think as we know, AI has been the dominant topic everywhere we're going this year. It's going to be sprinkled across every, everything and every discussion. But to your point, I think the degree of AI uh, real talk, um, I think we're now reaching to that point where it's, you know, I think people are like, okay, yeah, you've tell me the hype. Yes. But now tell me what's real. What are you really doing with generative AI? What are you really doing with NLP? Like, where is it really useful for me? I want to hear about that. Um, and I think we're starting to see that reflected in some of the sessions and things that are being done at health. They're less about the hype of AI and whether or not it's going to change, you know, uh, the healthcare landscape and more about the deployment of AI uh, and, and strategically in a healthcare organization. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the challenge as a conference organizer is how do you put together a session when AI is evolving so quickly? I mean, we even talked about, should we do an AI event? And, <laughs> and you know, they need to be a lot of unconferences because it's all the discovery that's happening so quickly, right? Uh, so yeah, I think though, you know, the conversations that happen at a conference are always the best. And that's particularly true when the innovation is moving that quickly. You know, I think the other thing that sets health apart is the mix of investors and startups and also some of the retail care, you know, mm. the Amazon Health and the Google Health and Walgreens and et cetera, you know, like all of them are there as well. And so it changes the conversation a bit about where is all of this headed? Uh, you know, sometimes the health IT vendors are, are, are disappointed, right? Like I was talking to a vendor today that does, you know, storage and, and powers and charging. And I'm like, no, health isn't really for you unless you want investment. Maybe then you do go, but you know, like you're not going to find the customers that are implementing that at provider organizations, but you will see if you're in the chief innovation office 
sort of health system. What is Walgreens doing and what is Walmart doing and how are they coming after us and what do we need to do to compete with them? So I think some of those discussions or even the startup discussions that are being, what's being invested in and what does that mean for my future? Those are conversations that will happen at health. And uniquely, you know, even better than Vive, Hims happens a bit, but even more so it's, you know, more similar to JP Morgan than any of the other more enterprise health IT conferences. Yeah, no, and that, that is that has been one of the unique things about about health, right? Is that mixture of the startup uh, and the mixture of attendees and and in fact the exhibitors that go there. And so I'll be interested in your reporting on how that uh, manifests this this year because there's a lot of startup style events happening while at the show. There's a pitch, couple of pitch competitions. There's that whole startup area. Uh, and for me, that has always been some of the more exciting parts of that show, uh, you know, is to kind and of you can see talk to patients going. too, right? Yep. Savvy Co-op has an ask patients area, so you can hear the voice of the patient. That's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be fun. You know, on, on the other side of the, literally on the other side of the country in Baltimore, Maryland is the AHIMA conference happening at, like I said, at the same exact time where I'm going to be the MC. Uh, the keynote speaker is a good friend of ours and uh, I look forward to hearing him speak in person. Uh, of course, is Dr. Zeev Newworth. You know, he's the keynote speaker at uh, at AHIMA 23 this year. And the closing panel, not surprisingly, is around generative AI and its impact mm. on the business. So um, we're definitely going to get a dose of AI. But what I found interesting when I was looking across the agenda is that there are 13 sessions dedicated to information sharing and information protection. So oh. two things there. First thing, th the fact there are 13 breakout sessions on the topic of info sharing to me says that's an important topic. Yeah. But the interesting twist was they added that information protection and there are five sessions dedicated just on that topic which I think is is very, very telling about where we are in that space. Uh, and so actually I'm excited to to attend a few of those because I think that that is where we're going to be heading in terms of a topic in 2024. Well, and to me, it's a sign of where Ahima's heading, right? Like they've been known for some of the revenue cycle, the medical coding, the, the HIPAA release of information and all of that, right? But it's really evolving into what I say is the information sharing and the governance around that, which you know obviously aligns with the release of information. When should you share? How should you share? What should you share? Right? You know, like answering those questions. Ahima is well positioned to do that. But to me, it also goes beyond that to you know what you said as far as protecting the information. You know, when is it shared? Why is it shared? What are the laws around it? Are we getting into legal trouble because we're not sharing, right? Information blocking, et cetera. But then the other one that I would love to see at Ahima, and I'd be interested to see if there are these discussions and what you hear at the event, but that is around information quality. Mm. You know, will Ahima dive into the information quality? Because, you know, I was having a discussion with someone and they were talking about, well, you know, a lot of times the provider organizations didn't want to share data because their baby's ugly. Their data's ugly, right? And so they share, they don't want to share it and be like, hey, this isn't good data. Like we haven't, you know, there's problems with it. And then they did that with the HIEs. And now the HIEs are like, wait, now our data's bad. And they're like, do I want to share this? You know, and so like there's this reticence to share because they know that there's problems with the data. And could Ahima help with that and help with the data quality, right? Now there's a lot of other companies working on it too. Clinical architecture is working on that. Formedica is working on that. But you know, I wonder what the discussion is going to be like at Ahima around that. 
Yeah, I'm going to be very curious about that too. And if they do move into that space, we're of course going to see our friend Charlie Harp, uh, you know, at AHIMA. Because <laughs> he's all about data quality, right, John? We know that. Yeah, but sure. uh, But yeah, I think I think what you bring up is is very valid. It is sort of a, an evolution or maybe an addition because I think Ahima is always going to be known for the RevCycle focus and 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 that. I don't think they're going to move off of that. But it is, in, is interesting that that group um, is also starting to be responsible for information uh, sharing and 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 disclosure and and all those kinds of things. So, just to give you again, just to compare, like thirteen sessions around information sharing and information protection, only eleven on revenue cycle, right? Mm. So you can, to your point, you're starting to see that shift and that evolution. And I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, pretty exciting to see that, and uh, we'll definitely keep my eye on the information quality uh, discussion. I, I think it's definitely going to raise its head. Yeah. And I've been going, I think, to Ahima a little longer than you, which, uh, you know, you're still older than me, but, you know, I, I've been going to Ahima at least longer. And I remember a decade ago, some of the conversations as far as how do they get a voice at the table, right? And some of those, which, you know, to me, that is how you get a voice, right? If, if you move upstream to data quality, now you're impacting care you're impacting revenue, you're impacting a lot more. And so I, I think that is an interesting piece of this, right? And then it also involves new people that I think is great for the AHIMA organization because now the chief quality officer may want to come, right? You know, the the CM, CMO, the CMIO may want to come if you're having those conversations. So I think it opens up new audiences for AHIMA that could be a, a good growth path for them. Yeah, and I think you've hit on something just at a, at a high level, John, that, that I think is happening across all the conferences this fall. Uh, every uh, organizer I've spoken to, um, you know, Health, Ahima, uh, MGMA, and others, uh, I keep hearing this recurring theme of broadening the audience, right, and moving beyond their traditional audiences. I think every organizer is trying to do that. Um, and, and the good news is there's not a ton of overlap. Like, you know, I, I think there, as you just put, people are expanding from what AHIMA used to be to now include the information folks, right? I think MGMA is trying to expand in some other areas and and bring in adjacent folks to that conference. So it would certainly be very interesting because I don't think this is an outgrowth of what happened with COVID where these conferences had low attendance. I just think naturally their businesses and the, what the topics these people are interested in have gone beyond their traditional roots. Uh, and so uh, I'm... I'm looking forward to seeing how this shakes out in the fall across all those conferences. Well, and maybe it also is a representation of the solutions are crossing more mm -hmm. boundaries, right? Like, yeah, when it was medical records and you were pulling charts, like the person did that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. but, but now, you know, now most of the solutions to the problems we have in healthcare need all the stakeholders across multiple areas. So it makes sense the conferences would follow the same. Yeah, well, regardless of what happens, John, I'm going to be uh, excited for all the conferences that we're all attending in the fall. So certainly keep your eye on our social media and our newsletters to know where we are so we can connect in person because you know John and I love that. Yeah, the best part. <laughs> well, hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.